Chapter Eight of the Postmaster's Daughter by Lewis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. An interrupted symposium. Have a cigarette, said Grant to Furneaux, when the blinds were drawn, a lamp lighted, and the sherry dispensed. Thank you. The self-invited guest took one. He sniffed it, broke the paper wrapping, and crumbled some of the tobacco between finger and thumb. "'Ah, those Greeks,' he said sadly. "'They simply can't go straight. "'This brand of Turk used to be made of tobacco grown on a slope above Salonica, "'a strip of sun-baked soil built up a reputation which is now being bartered "'for filthy lucre by the use of Egyptian fillings. "'You're a connoisseur, Mr. Hawknose. Try these,' said Hart. "'Pofuring a case, from which the detective drew a cigarette,' throwing the other one aside. "'Why Hawknose?' he inquired. "'A blend. First syllable of Hawkshaw, and second of Ferno. The latter angelicized, of course, and vulgarized. You prefer Furshaw, perhaps? Either effort is feeble for a man who can write about South America and be lucid. Do you smoke this stuff, may I ask?' while talking he had smelt and destroyed the second cigarette if it's a fair question what the devil do you smoke cried hart nothing i'm a non-smoker my profession demands a clear intellect not a brain atrophied by nicotine piffly carlyle and bismarck were smokers who reads carlyle nowadays and what modern german pays heed to bismarck's dogmas look at that pipe of yours it was once a pure ivory white now it is black soiled by tobacco juice your lungs are slowly emulating it and your wits will cloud in time read tolstoy mr hart he will teach you how nicotine deadens the conscience at last i know why i smoke like a tame's tug laughed hart but i'm blessed if i can understand why you make such a study of the vile weed most criminals are addicted to the habit i classify them by their brand of tobacco for instance a clever forger would never descend to thick twist while a swell mobsman would turn with horror from a woodbine many entered and nodded whereupon grant led the others upstairs to wash from the bathroom he looked out over a darkening landscape doris's dormer window was open she was leaning on the sill but he could not tell whether or not her eyes were turned his way. Her attitude was pensive, disconsolate, curiously forlorn for a girl normally high-spirited. He was on the point of signaling to her when he remembered Furneaux's presence. There was something impish, almost diabolically clever in that little man's characteristics which induced wariness. The dinner was a marvel, considering the short notice given to the cook, luckily mrs bates a loyal soul had resolved to tempt her employer's appetite that evening village gossip had it that the police were about to arrest him and she was determined he should enjoy at least one good meal before being hauled to prison hence the materials were present the rest was a matter of quantities and sussex seldom stints itself in that respect the chatter round the table was light and amusing the three were well matched conversationally furneaux evidently held the opinion once expressed by a notable waldress that the time had come 
to talk of many things of shots and ships and sealing wax of cabbages and kings he was in excellent form and the others played up to him hart's slow drawl was ever trenchant and witty and grant forgot his woes in congenial company as for the mercurial detective himself it might be said of him as of the schoolmaster of auburn and still they gazed and still the wonder grew that one small head could carry all he knew it was he who dropped them with a bounce from the realm of fancy to the unpleasing region of ugly fact no sooner had many cleared the table and brought in the coffee then he whisked around on grab as though hitherto he had been only awaiting an opportunity of scarifying him now he said propping an elbow on the table and supporting his chin on a clenched fist the embargo is off on the strandholm affair you didn't kill adeline melhush mr grant who did i wish i could tell you was the emphatic answer do you suspect anybody you needn't fear the libel law in confiding your secret thought to me and i assume that mr hart is trustworthy where his friends are concerned why that unkind differentiating cause my pocket vica put in hart because two kings and a baker's dozen of presidents have at various times sent most unflattering reports to this country about you i must have annoyed em most damnably you had i congratulate you but heaven only knows where i may convoy you some day on an extradition warrant proceed mr grant i assure you on my honor that the only reasonable suggestion i can make is that put forward by my gardener to-day said grant he thinks that the murder must have been committed by a lunatic i can offer no other hypothesis your gardener may be right but what lunatic barring yourself and the horse-copper elkin is in love with doris martin like elkin the previous night grant struck the table till things rattled keep her name out of it he cried fiercely you are a man of the world not a suspicious idiot of the robinson type you heard to-day the full and true explanation of her presence here on monday night it was a sheer accident why harp on doris martin rather than any member of the bates family who may i ask is doris martin put in hart the strandholm postmaster's daughter said furlow a remarkably pretty and intelligent girl if her father was a peer she would be the belle of a london season as it is her good looks seem to have put a maggot in more than one nut in this village hart waved the negro's head in the air the lunatic theory for mine he declared if one woman's lovely face could bring a thousand ships to lion why should not another's drive men to madness in strayenholm well phrased sir crackled furneaux delightfully i'll wangle that in on a respected colleague of mine who is a whale at deducting a proposition from given premises but cannot induce a general fact from particular instances to save his life now stifle your romantic frenzy mr grant and listen to me if you were minded to instruct me in the art of writing good english i would sit at your feet an attentive disciple when i furneaux of the yard lay down a first principle in the investigation of crime i expect deference on your part i tell you unhesitatingly that if doris morton didn't exist adeline melhush would be alive now that 
as a thesis is nearly as certain a thing as that the sun will rise to-morrow i go farther and hazard the guess not the fixed belief though my guesses are usually borne out by events that if doris morton had not been in this garden at half-past ten on monday night adeline melhush would not have been killed some twenty minutes later it is useless for you to fume and rage in vain effort to disprove either of these presumptive facts you are simply beating the air this mystery centers in and around the postmaster's daughter come now you are a reasonable person admit the cold hard truth and then give play to your fancy sir said hart brandishing his pipe again i suggest that you and i here and now form a mutual admiration society it is a cruel and bitter thing that an innocent girl should be dragged into society with a foul crime said grant stubbornly i am not disputing the force of your acumen mr furneaux my own desire is to shield the good name of a very charming young lady what's done can't be undone countered the detective well knowing that grant confessed himself beaten but what is all the bother about you heard from miss martin's own lips absolutely the whole truth and nothing but the truth put her in the witness-box and what more can she tell you i am not worrying about her appearance in the witness-box said furneaux dryly long before that stage is reached i shall be hunting a star burglar or perhaps looking into the foreign office dossier of our worthy friend here as to-day's papers hint at trouble in venezuela no sir the county police will get all the credit p c robinson will be swanking about then telling the yokels what he did i with a limpic nod say there's your man and the handcuffs brigade do the rest so far as i can foresee miss martin's name may be spared any undue prominence in this inquiry i go even farther and promise that anything i can do in that way shall be done that is very kind and considerate of you said grant gratefully don't hollow until you're out of the woods said furneaux sitting back suddenly and nursing his left knee with clasped hands i can't control other people's actions you know what i insist on to-night is that you shall envisage this affair in its proper light we have a long way to travel before counsel rises with his smug may it please you me lord and gentlemen of the jury but having persuaded you to agree that willy-nilly miss doris is the hub of our little universe for the hour i now swear you and this fire-eater in as assistants there must be no more speeches no punching of heads very little love-making and that by order has the postmaster's daughter a delectable sister oh lilliputin cop demanded hart no two of em would have caused a riot long since mr grant will do all and more than all necessary in that direction grant leaned forward he spoke very earnestly i want you to believe me when i tell you he said that i never gave serious thought to the notion of marrying miss morton until such a possibility was suggested last night by that swab ingerman ah ingerman you kept a record of what he said i gather yes here it is grant rose and went to a writing-desk with nests of drawers which stood against the wall on the left side of the door he never used it for its primary purpose when the table was laid for meals 
Minnie or her mother had orders to remove all papers and books to the top of the desk. The house contained no other living room of size. The hall was spacious. A smoking den next to the dining room had degenerated into a receptacle of guns, fishing rods, golf clubs, alpenstocks, skis, and other sporting accessories. The remainder of the ground floor accommodation was given up to the Bateses. Unlocking a drawer, Grant produced a notebook, which he handed to Furneaux. The detective laid it on the table. He was sitting with his back to the large window. Hart faced him. Grant's chair was between the two. "'By the way, as you're on your feet, Mr. Grant,' said Furneaux, "'you might just show me exactly where you were standing when you saw the face at the window.' "'For the love of Mike, what's this?' gurgled Hart. "'The face at the window, the postmaster's daughter. How many more catchy crossheads will you bring into the story?' poor adeline melhush undoubtedly came here on monday night and looked in at me while i was at work said grant sadly you know the history of my calf love three years ago wally shall i ever forget it you bored me stiff about it then when the crash came you walked me off my legs in the upper engadine ugh that night on the forno glacier it gives me a chill to think of it now Furneaux, pass the port your name is wrongly spelt. It should be Fourneau, not Furneaux. A little oven, hot stuff, got me? My dear heart, you flatter me, retorted the detective instantly. How long am I to pose here, snapped Grant. Sorry, said Furneaux. These interruptions are banal. Is that where you were? Yes, I had my hand outstretched for a book. It's dark in this corner. When I want to find a book, I light a candle, which is always placed on the ledge of the window for the purpose. The blind was not drawn that night. It seldom is. I had the book in my hand, and had found the required passage when I chanced to look at the window and saw her face. Do you mind reconstructing the scene? This lamp was on the table, I suppose. Yes. Well, pull up the blind, light your candle, and find the book act the whole incident in fact grant obeyed he held the candlestick until he had picked out the particular volume then he placed it in the recess of the window and searched through the pages of the book furneaux bent forward so as to watch the rehearsal and catch the effect of the light externally the hour was not so late as when adeline melhush or her ghosts gazed in through one of those narrow panes but the night was dark enough to lend the necessary variemblance. Hart, deeply interested, looked on with rapt, eager eyes. For a full minute the table remained thus. Then, with a rapidity born of many a close scapes in wild lands, Hart drew a revolver from a hip pocket and fired at the window. He alone was in a position to see through all parts of it. Grant was still thumbing a small brown volume in the manner of one who knew that a certain passage would be found wherein but was ignorant of its exact place in the text furneaux intent on his every movement had only a sidelong view of the window which it will be remembered formed a tiny rectangle in a thick wall the revolver was a heavy caliber weapon and the explosion blew out the lamp the flame of the candle flickered owing either to the passage of the bullet or the disturbance of the air but it burnt steadily again within the fifth part of a second, 
and they all saw a starred hole in the center pane of glass of the second tier from the bottom what fool's game are you playing shrilled furneaux nevertheless active as a wildcat in his spring to the french window there to snatch at the blind and turn the knob which controlled a lever bolt laying another ghost one with whiskers said hart coolly i got him too i think you must be mad mad shrieked the detective tearing open the window and vanishing for heaven's sakes wally no more shooting cried grant running after furneaux minnie and her mother appeared at the dining-room door finding the place in semi-obscurity and reeking with gunpowder they screamed loudly you strayin home folk are all on the jump said hart cheer up fair dames thunder relieves the atmosphere you know and one live cartridge is often more effective than an ocean of talk but but but, but who shot sir gasped minnie a ghost a most scoundrelly apparition with fearsome eyes offensive whiskers and a hat which is a base copy of mine old ben sighed mrs bates collapsing straightway in a faint luckily minnie caught her mother and broke her fall because the housekeeper was large and solid and might have been seriously injured otherwise hart was distressed by this development but being eminently a ready person in an emergency he rose to the occasion by extracting the empty case from the revolver and holding it to the poor woman's nostrils while supporting her with an arm and a knee this is far more effective than burnt brown paper minnie he said now don't get excited but mix some brandy and water and we'll have your mother telling us who old ben is or was before hawkeye comes back to disturb us judging by the noises i hear he's busy outside that's father shrieked minnie hysterically good lord has your father for an instant hart was nearly alarmed but grant's voice came authoritatively it's all right bates let go i tell you hugh said hart i was on the point of confusing your respected dad with old ben that's it ma sniff hard as a cook you're worth your weight in gold which is some cook meanwhile furneaux seeing that no dead body was stretched out on the strip of grass beneath the window dashed into the shrubbery to the right and was clutched in a mighty embrace by an older but much more powerful man in bates who had hurried from the front of the house on hearing the pistol shot most fortunately the gardener deeming his vigil a needless one had not armed himself with a stick or the consequences might have been grave as it was no one except hart had been vouchsafed sight or sound of the latest spectre which however had left a very convincing souvenir of its visit in the shape of a soft felt hat with two bullet holes through the crown furneaux quivering with silent wrath soon abandoned the search when this piece de conviction was found at the root of the dorothy perkins rose tree seeing the lamp relighted he peremptorily bade grant and bates come in with him he closed the window adjusted the blind again and poured generous measures of port wine into two glasses handing one to bates he took the other himself friend he said some men have fame thrust upon them but you have achieved it to-night you have pierced the heel of achilles here's to you i don't know what e's sayin', mister but good health said bates swigging the wine with gusto now for your master's sake not a word to a soul about this hubbub 
right you are sir but that there pryin robinson was on the bridge five minutes since and by gum here he is a determined knock and ring came at the front door minnie helped by heart had just escorted mrs bates to the kitchen let me go said furneaux darting out into the hall he opened the door and thrust his face into the police constables startling the latter considerably before robinson could utter a syllable the detective hissed a question did anyone cross the bridge after that shot was fired no no sir stuttered the other you saw no one running along the road saw nothing sir very well glad to find you're on the job don't let on you met me here good night mighty is scotland yard with the provincial police robinson was back on his self-imposed beat before he well realized that he knew neither why nor by whom nor by what sort of weapon the commotion had been created but he was quite sure the noise came from the garden front of mr grant's house that little hop o me thumb thinks he's smart damn smart he communed angrily but i've taken a line of my own and i'll stick to it though the yard sends down twenty men he heard footsteps coming down a paved footpath which ran like a white ribbon through the cobble-beaded width of the high street and withdrew swiftly to the shelter of a disused tannery adjoining the village end of the bridge a cloaked female figure sped past though the night was rather dark for june he had no difficulty in recognizing doris martin's graceful movements no other girl in strayenholm walked like her she was slim enough to dispense with tight corsets and tall enough to wear low-heeled shoes nor did she need to pinch her toes in order to gain the semblance of small feet after her went robinson key to the exultation by this outcome of his watchfulness she was going to the hollies of course the road led to Knowworth, and no young woman of her age in the village would dream of taking a lonely walk in the country at ten o'clock at night for a man of his height and somewhat ponderous build the policeman followed with real stealth thus when she turned in at the gate he was there by the time she had reached the front door he heard her pull the bell curiously enough to his thinking furneaux again appeared is mr grant at home he heard doris say yes will you come in replied the detective is he is all well here quite i assure you but do come in i'll escort you home i'm going to the inn in five minutes doris after hesitating a little entered robinson crept on tiptoe over a stretch of gravel and took to the shrubbery it was high time he thought that the local constabulary learnt what was going on in that abode of mystery End of chapter eight